Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello, and welcome to Living Stones. I am Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and joining me in the virtual studios from South Bend, Indiana, is my good friend and compatriot, and the man who was the original pinball wizard. Ken Hellenius. <laughs> Ken, how are you doing, my friend? I am very well, Deacon. I'm tanned, I'm rested, and I'm ready. I'm excited for conversation <laughs> with you, my my best friend among the deacons. I mean, you know, I kind of have classes of friends, and of, of the deacons that I know, you're my absolute favorite. Most certainly. Oh, thank you, Ken. <laughs> that means a lot. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. <laughs> well, welcome back. You have been on the road, and you were on the other side of the globe when we last, before we last talked. You went down to Australia. Yes, yes. I had a wonderful time there. I was there basically for three purposes. One was to speak at a conference called Be Not Afraid uh, with Tim Staples from Catholic Answers, and that went great. We also spoke with several prominent Catholic speakers from Australia, and uh, who I'm going to be bringing some of them next year. I'm going to be sponsoring them to do a, a little U.S. tour uh, next year. Nice. Because um, they, they always bring us over there and said, now it's our turn to bring you over here. Yeah. So people can hear you know, how awesome Australia is and some great apologists there. Several of them have been on Catholic Answers, you know, like on, on the show, Catholic yeah. Answers Live. So that went great. And then I spoke at a number of parishes. Um, I spoke at three parishes on, on the Sunday I was there. Wow. Uh, which was which was awesome. But every gig was packed. It was standing room only. I had to put more chairs out because people are hungry. It's been so long with the uh, draconian COVID restrictions that they had there. And, and people have been pent up for so long and not being able to see each other and be with each other. It was just wonderful to see people of faith, especially come together like that. And, and really come out in force to attend these these talks and to and to reconnect with people I haven't seen in four years. You know, right. it's just it was just great. Yeah. Uh, and then I get I, I um, Perusia Academy has some online courses that they do, and so I I did a twelve hour filmed a twelve hour course on Introduction to the Sacraments. So that was a lot of fun. Then I did a, I did three podcasts. Also, I was there, and also the last night I gave a talk to young adults with the Archdiocese of Sydney World Youth Day Formation Night. So, of course, World Youth Day next year is in Portugal, Spain. And right, right. They, ha they have these monthly formation nights where they have, you know, information about the, the pilgrimage and, you know, that kind of thing, but also catechesis. And so I gave a catechesis on the theme of World Youth Day where Pope Francis established it, you know, she went in haste. You know, like after the incarnation, the Annunciation, right. she went to see uh, her kinswoman, Elizabeth. And so I gave a brief catechesis, about 30 minutes or so on that. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I had, a, I had a, it was a, my shortest trip there, but I had, I had an amazing time. I really did. I can't. I'm looking forward to going back next year where I'm going to um, Australia and New Zealand in July of next year. Uh, you're going to Hobbit country as well? Holy cats. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. 
That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and you were also gone too, my friend. You were in Italy. I was. I got to uh, spend fall break with uh, some of our Soren fellows uh, on pilgrimage. We went on a Eucharistic pilgrimage to. Uh, Orvieto, Assisi, and Rome uh, during the fall break. And this was, it was fantastic. So as we're recording this, literally, I'm I'm still on jet lag. But uh, it was a, it was a <laughs> whirlwind trip. But we really had a marvelous time. You know, we got to go to, in Orvieto, you have the, uh, the, Corporal of Bolsena, which is a, a Eucharistic miracle from the 1260s. Uh, it, uh, it was a, a priest who had doubts about the veracity of the Eucharist, whether or not the Eucharist was truly the body and blood of Christ. And um, the host started dripping blood onto the corporal on the altar. And this particular corporal is, you know, this wonderful relic that is uh, uh, held in and kind of venerated in the cathedral at Orvieto because the Pope at the time had a castle there in Orvieto and he had the cathedral built specifically to house this wonderful relic. And it was before this relic that uh, St. Thomas Aquinas knelt and prayed and received his kind of really inspiration to write the prayers and the chants for the Mass of Corpus Christi. And, uh, you know, legendarily, both Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure were asked by the Pope to write uh the prayers and chants for for a new mass of Corpus Christi. And it said that St. Bonaventure, when he saw what St. Thomas had written, tore his copy up of what he had written and said, nope, go go with that. Uh, and so, of course, <laughs> and it's from there that we get the, the Tantamergo, uh, you know, and we we just get so many of these songs that we use in Eucharistic adoration uh, and, and the great prayer uh, that we get um, uh, for Corpus Christi Sunday remains the prayer written by St. Thomas Aquinas, you know. Uh, you know, grant that we may so reverence the sacred body and blood of Christ that we may feel its effects in our daily life, you know, kind of deal. It's just beautiful, beautiful opportunity to pray. The cathedral is beautiful, you know, and that was that was just as we got off the bus as soon as we landed. So this truly was a Eucharistic pilgrimage. Then we went to Assisi and we got to see and venerate Blessed Carlo Acutis you know, the millennial oh, saint. Um, and uh, yeah. so we got to go and pray there in Assisi. Of course, we went to pray at the tomb of St. Francis and of St. Clare as well. But for our students, the real highlight was seeing Blessed Carlo Acutis because the reality is he's the same age as most of our students are, or or maybe even a little, maybe a little younger. But it was really powerful. And then we got to do something that is um, kind of exclusive in a way. So recently they discovered during renovations to the Bishop's Palace in Assisi, they discovered underneath the original doorway that went into the bishop's palace and offices. And this is the door that they're certain, due to dating, would have been the door that St. Francis used as he went in to visit with the bishop and to make the great renunciation in which he, you know, that classic image of St. Francis um, throwing off his clothes and the bishop covering him with his with his own cloak, uh, him throwing off the clothes, symbolizing that he he was embracing true poverty. He was giving up the the riches that he had grown up with because he was the son of a rather, you know, a successful cloth merchant. Um, and this this is called the renunciation of St. Francis. We know that it took place 
as he walked through this door. And this doorway is wow. now being restored and will be open to the public in the next couple of years. But we uh, were able to actually go through the door ourselves and, and to, to pray about this, you know, because again, this is this was a pilgrimage. And so to think about what are what do we need to leave behind? You know, what do we need to remove from our own lives in order to seek holiness? Uh, and so it was just a marvelous opportunity. We just uh, are looking forward to everybody being able to go through what they call the door of decision, because this was the decision that he made, you know, to embrace Lady Poverty. So um, that was a really wonderful opportunity. And then, uh, and then to Rome, you know, where we had Mass at St. Peter's Basilica, and we had Mass at uh, the Basilica of Cosmos and Damien, which is in the, the Basilica mm. that's in the Roman Forum, you know, and that, that really was the triumph of Christianity over over uh, kind of paganism in a, in a very real way. Um, we, my first time, I've been to Rome multiple times, I'd never been to the Colosseum uh, to see, you know, this is a space where we know Christians died uh, and uh, we got to go on this, on this trip. And so it was fantastic. We were there for a general audience with the Holy Father, with Pope Francis on a, on a Wednesday morning. And um, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. But uh, I'm happy to be home and partially because, you know, I mean, we go on these pilgrimages and we have to bring that back with us. We have to bring our experience and connect it to our daily lives. And believe it or not, that's what we're going to talk about tonight together, you and me, Deacon, because I know you go on pilgrimage all the time. You lead pilgrimages. You, you're, you know, invited to, to participate in these. And these are wonderful opportunities that all Christians can embrace in, in some way, even if you don't have the means to go overseas or, or to take a great big trip. There are types of pilgrimages that can be done even in your town where you are. And so we thought, let's chat about what it means to be on pilgrimage and and what does that look like and what can we learn from so deacon let's talk a little bit about that tonight yeah well thank you for sharing uh, your amazing experience over there in italy you know i i've, I've been, been i haven't been there my uh, myself for a while so i'm really looking forward to to going back so thank you for that yeah yeah so pilgrimage you know, pilgrimages are, are often, well, especially to the Holy Land, are called the fifth gospel, right? right? Because you have the four gospels, and when you go to the Holy Land on pilgrimage, it's considered like the fifth gospel, because you're actually visiting the places that were there. And to go to where you just were in Italy, to see the seat of Rome, you know, the the where the, where the Pope is, where um, so many great saints lived, uh, and, and where they died and where they worked, you know, in Italy, if you go to Assisi or San Giovanni Rotondo, if you go see, um, you know, uh, Padre Pio, uh, Padre Pio, or yeah. uh, uh, Subiaco or something like that, or Monte Cassino, see Saint Benedict, you know, just to be in those places, you hear about these great saints, but to actually be there is such a thrill. Or any of the Marian shrines, you know, Fatima, Lourdes, you know, it's just, it's just Mexico incredible. City, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, God God touches our lives in so many amazing ways. And when we seek him with passion and conviction on pilgrimage, we're making a, if you will, a spiritual investment that could have everlasting rewards for us. You know, because pilgrimage reminds us that this life that we're on right now is a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. That that our life on earth, that's all we've ever known, is not really our home. Our true home is heaven, to be in the presence of God forever. And everything that happens in our life is preparing us for this journey. 
It's the Eucharist that feeds us and strengthens us on that journey. It's the sacraments that give us the grace to overcome obstacles on that journey. But ultimately, our, our place is to be with God forever in heaven. And many of the saints that we see and experience on pilgrimage, you know, they really understood that. I'm really grateful that you mentioned that because, you know, I remember when I was in college, we sang this song, we used to sing this song, On Our Journey to the Kingdom, Forward Goes Our Pilgrim Band. And, you know, this idea that we are not residents here, we are aliens here on earth. Our true home is heaven, is so important. Earth is is not our home. We are called to be in heaven. Christ told us, I go before you to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. And that is the great promise that he offered to us, that we will be with him in heaven. Um, here on earth, when we participate in things like pilgrimages, when we go to make a visit to even if we just simply go to make a visit to the Eucharist in Holy Hour at our church, we are physically going to be with the Lord. So as you say, it mirrors every time we do something intentionally to go, we are mirroring our journey towards heaven. But this also underscores that we are uh, people, we are incarnational people, right? We have physical experiences. We smell, we see, we touch, we taste. Our faith is connected to our everyday life. And so a pilgrimage is a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality as well. Just as Christ, God, came to earth and took flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary and became one of us like us in all things but sin, he showed the importance of physicality. God literally touched us. He touched our humanity because he was fully human and fully divine at the same time. This is the wonderful aspect of our faith is that it's not just in our heads. It's not just in, you know, the prayers that we, our mental prayer, it's in our full physical reality. Uh, and that's why going on pilgrimage. I love what you said, too. You know, the Holy Land is the fifth gospel, because I'll tell you, since I had my opportunity to go to the Holy Land, I have remembered every time I hear the gospel proclaimed, and it mentions a specific place, I can think, I've been there. I now have a mental image of what that place is like. And I remember walking down this street and and seeing the colors and the smells and all of these sort of, you know, the way of the cross is much more meaningful to me now because I have actually walked the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem. And I've been pressed in by people in the middle of the day. And because of that, I have strong memories that come flooding back when we talk about Christ carrying his cross. So again, these are experiences that we have. We have the experience once, but we can draw fruits from it for the rest of our pilgrim journey here on earth. That's so true. That's And that's something that really for many people, honestly, is once in a lifetime. And, and it's not lost on me what a great privilege it is to go multiple times on pilgrimage. Like you said, to lead pilgrimages or to be asked by my friends to go with them on pilgrimage. Guys, like, you know, Father Leo Padalinghung or Sonia Corbett or, or Father Frank Pavone and other people. You know, it's just uh, Father Larry Richards. It's just an amazing thing, you know. And pilgrimages, I think, are also opportunities for, for us that go to seek God together, you know, as a family. 
And for many people, it's, a, it's also a source of healing and spiritual renewal. Sometimes we're we're at a lull, or sometimes we're going through something really difficult, and that pilgrimage is that that pick me up that we need, you know. Uh, and we get to touch the saints in a sense, you know. We get to venerate their relics. We get to see the churches that they worshipped in, or or that were built over the homes that they lived in, you know. Um, for me, especially um, some of the sites in particular about finding mercy and forgiveness, and going going to Rome for me is a renewing helping to renew my identity as a Catholic, mm-hmm. you know, yes. I mean, it's just, it's just, there's so many different feelings and experiences at the different sites, you know, uh, particularly for me, like the, the Marian sites are particularly powerful. You know, I've, since my mom died, I have uh, even a deeper love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, and, and so going to those sites and, and knowing and hearing the messages that the Blessed Mother gave at those sites I think have more profound meaning for me now, you know, and, and make a deeper connection with me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and this is opportunities also in pilgrimage to, I think, gain deeper insights into our relationship with God. Uh, so for me, praying the Psalms, for example, going to Holy Land and, you know, uh, the gradual Psalms, like, you know, when, when uh, Jerusalem, the mountains surround her. So the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. As you're driving through the mountains and then you come over that crest and bam, there's Jerusalem with the mountains surrounding her. I mean, it's just it's just an, an amazing experience to, in a sense, live out those psalms in the places where uh, where David and Asaph and, you know, uh, and, may, and many of the others were, were writing at that time. It's just it's just incredible. It's funny. We were on the bus with the students and because uh, we started, we went, got off the airplane and went immediately to Orvieto and then Assisi. And then we came into the city of Rome and we were driving along and we, um, you know, those of us who've been before knew, oh, we're coming just up to the Via della Conciliazione, which is the road that leads directly up to St. Peter's. It's going to come up on the right. So it's like, you know, you the um, guide on the on the uh, microphone on the on the bus said, "Okay, if you look to your right here in a moment, you will see something very nice." And so, of course, we come up, and most of the students who hadn't been there, you know, it was it was the evening, and so St. Peter's Basilica was all lit up, and you know, all of a sudden they're staring at this image that they've seen in photos countless times, and yeah. spontaneously, <laughs> all of the students started clapping. You know, they were just delighted by this moment. Um, and that's one of those things, too, that happens on pilgrimages. You know, you build things up in your mind in advance, right? You know, the, you, you've been flipping through the brochures, you've been looking up and doing your research going into it. Here's what I'm going to see. Here's what I want to see. Um, and I'm going to do all these things on this trip. And I, oh, I got to make sure I see this. I got to see that. I got to see this. But the reality is time is always shorter than you think. There's always too much to do, too much that you want to see, too much that you're like, oh, I've got to do that. And we want to pack it all in. We want to we want to see all the things because we think this is my only time I'm ever going to be here. And then when the reality on the ground hits you that there's not going to be enough time to hit all these things on my on my pilgrimage bucket list, you can begin to get 
unhappy about it. And then you start to be mad that you missed X, Y, or Z because you had to do another thing. You had to go eat in a group lunch, which took two hours. And you're like, I could have eaten in half an hour and gone back and seen 14 other things. And so there are practical aspects to pilgrimages that um, maybe provide us with an opportunity to grow in our spiritual works of mercy as well. Uh, have you had an experience like that, Deacon, on, in your travels, you know, where you're like, oh, man, I'm just bummed that I didn't get to see X, Y, or Z, and ah, then, and then it just starts to, to gnaw at you? Yeah, I think, I think for me, the frustrating part of it is not being able to spend time praying at some of these sites, especially at places where there's groups coming in and out. And, you know, they have to kind of move people through, you know, so um, especially that's been my experience, especially in the Holy Land, not so much at the other places, but in the Holy Land. Um, And then sites close at certain times. You have to, you know, so you have time to see things. You have time to for the guide to, you know, uh, explain, you know, about the sites. But then I just want to just sit down, just pray like 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 um, in Capernaum, for example. You know, in that temple where Jesus gave the the discourse in in John six, you know, like the bread of life discourse, you know, I was like, and across the street was Peter's house where he healed his mother in law. Like, wait a minute, I just want to say this is where Jesus talked about his him being the bread of life. You know, he, right. he gives himself to us as the bread. Like, let me just ponder. <laughs> let me just sit here in the place where Jesus actually gave, you know, at, but not having the time to do that because there's always something else that you have to do. I think for me is the, is the frustrating piece. And, you know, that's why I'm working on something called the contemplative pilgrimage, where it's uh, pulling back. And it's not so much the, the hamster wheel on the bus, off the bus, on the bus, right, off the bus. Right, right. It's more like uh, taking our time and visiting maybe one place. Or, or maybe at the most two places, deliberately, slowly, prayerfully, you know, and spending time in adoration, spending time praying the rosary, spending time doing those things um, at these sites instead of just hustling to the next place. I mean, I, so that's something I'm praying about and thinking about um, that uh, that we could do to kind of to help bring a more deeply intimate prayerful experience, you know, or um, in La Salette in France. You know, that place, I mean, they, they have a massive retreat center there, like over 100 rooms. And I'm like, wait a minute, what would be amazing to have a retreat at La Salette? You know, to spend three days there, surrounded by the, the French Alps, at the place where it approved Marian apparition. Uh, it's just it's just gorgeous up there. And just really just spend time soaking in and just getting, you know, being heart to heart with the Blessed Mother. And just absorbing the place and, and the power of her messages. And, you know, it just, you know, that's something I think my heart is longing for. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, doing a different type of pilgrimage yeah. in the future. That is something that we were blessed to do during this particular pilgrimage with our students. Yes, we had days that were very long and that were packed with a lot of things. But on, on at least one of the days, we had made plans to have Eucharistic adoration with um, a, a small faith community of young Catholic professionals and Catholic graduate students in Rome. Uh, because, of course, we were taking our students, our student fellows, 26 of them from the University of Notre Dame. And so we met up with other students and professionals 
for prayer. And then after prayer, you know, half an hour of Eucharistic adoration, which is, I always like to say, half an hour of a holy hour is better than zero hours of a holy hour. But, uh, and then afterward, then we had pizza and, and soda together, you know, and we got to meet and chat. And, and that was absolutely fantastic because, as I mentioned, this was, we intended this to be a Eucharistic pilgrimage. You know, visiting Orvieto, visiting Blessed Carlo Acutis, who was himself a, a an apostle of the Eucharist, praying together with this with the Wisdom of Faith community in Rome. These are the sorts of things, as you say, building in and and intending to do time to slow down in prayer is so important. But you know, one other thing that comes to mind is it's so easy to complain about what you didn't get to see versus rejoicing over the what you did get to see rejoicing over the the relics you were able to venerate the the um, places uh in the lord's life or in the lives of the saints that particularly were meaningful to them become memories that you plant in your brain that you can come back to afterward as well that when you come home you bring that experience home with you and i'm talking about more than just taking a photo here i'm talking about more than just you know you don't want to be operating through the lens of your camera you want to actually be present to what you are doing this is again part of the incarnational aspect of a pilgrimage um, that is so important to keep in mind yeah and i think it's important that um that i love what you said that it's where, you know, focus on the place where God wants me to be. You know, yeah, oh, I wish I could go see here. But and sometimes you get surprised. I got surprised at the, by Nasus of, of Loyola. You know, I was like, okay, Nasus, okay, he's cool. But <laughs> I was blown away. I mean, it, it really, you know, that, that was a highlight for me, actually, of Spain. So, so sometimes you'd be surprised by what the Lord does in your life on these pilgrimages. Just got to, you know, even by signing up for or placing yourself in the in the uh, on the bus and say here i am lord you know, kind of deal um it's funny we were having a chat about that saint peter was told by the lord in the gospel when you are old they will bind you and take you where you do not want to go and sometimes that's that's our own experience too you know of <laughs> yeah. oh do i got to do this portion on the on the tour can't i cut that out and but you never know how the lord is going to encounter you and what you're going what's going to stick in your mind and what's going to come back to you in future when you pray but Let's talk a little bit more about pilgrimage next time when we gather, Deacon, because I think we've also got a couple opportunities to, to give some practical advice to travelers. But uh, let's save that because we're actually already out of time together for tonight. So, um, friends, we invite you to connect with the show via Facebook. We're on Facebook. Just type in Living Stones Media. You can also download previous episodes of Living Stones at materdeiradio.com. Uh, Deacon, until we gather together next week, might we have a blessing? Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.